This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg. So good to be with you. We are going to be having a wonderful service here today, a powerful teaching. Please get your Bibles out and your pens out. You're going to be writing like crazy. All right, let's begin. Our subject is titled Understanding and Dealing with the Operation of Demons. The first question I have is, what's the difference between oppression and depression? The second one is, can a demon oppress or even enter a Christian? If it was not possible for demons to enter Christians, Why did Paul the Apostle warn us in Ephesians 4.26 and say, and don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. In other words, anger gives Satan control over our lives. That's what he's saying. The same verse in the New King James translation says, nor give place to the devil. Don't give Satan any place in our life. Why did Peter the Apostle say this in 1 Peter 5.8? Be sober, be vigilant, be self-controlled, and watchful, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So, Peter is saying, Satan is out to get us. We need to be aware of that. All right? Stand against him. If that wasn't a real danger, why did he put that in there? It is true that we have absolute authority over Satan and demons. Yes. And I will teach on this subject during this series the authority we have over demons. However, if I start telling lies, I'm sending a signal to a lying spirit that this is what I want to do. And I'll give him the legal right to enter me and turn me into a compulsive liar. We've all seen compulsive liars, especially in politics on TV. That's how it works in every realm. If I make a mistake, I must immediately put it right with God. I must ask him to forgive me. Don't let it go on. Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, referring to those who are afraid to be recognized as Christians, unbelieving, abominable, that means people who are corrupt, inhumane, beastly, And then it says, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, that's witches and fortune tellers, idolaters, that means idol worshippers, worshipping anything else except God, and all liars shall have their part in lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's Gehenna, the second death, the lake of burning sulfur, after We've been, after folks have been judged, come up from 
Hades and get judged. So notice this, all liars are in that group, all liars, even Christian liars, because that's part of all liars, okay? Be careful of that. Why would God tell us to wear his armor if demon oppression or possession wasn't a real danger? Ephesians 6.13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's our day. We're going to wear the whole armor of God to withstand Satan. We're going to talk about how to cast out demons and deal with open doors. And I will walk you through 12 important steps in this process of casting out demons and closing open doors. Firstly, continuous disobedience to any part of the Word of God, any part of the Word of God, will open the door for the devil to attack us. Say that with me. Disobedience, continuous disobedience to any part of the Word of God will open the door to the devil to attack us. That's the key to remember. Step number one, it is vitally important that we know how Satan and demons operate. Being ignorant of this is very dangerous. We're going to learn all about that in this series. Step number two, know your authority. <clears throat> Colossians 1.13, for God has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. That tells us that God has taken us out from Satan's authority, out of his kingdom. He has no more legal right over us. We've taken out of his kingdom and placed in Christ's kingdom. He cannot reach us unless we allow him to. After the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and gave them this instruction. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, we know he's the creator of all things, but he gave all that authority to Adam, who sinned, and Satan hijacked that authority and use it against humanity. Jesus came back as the second Adam and reversed the problem the first Adam caused by forgiving the human race on the cross. And by doing so, he set us free from Satan's authority. Amen? Praise God. So, Jesus says all authority has been given to him. So as a man, as a man then, he took on the form of man, he conquered Satan, death, sickness, and gave us back and won all authority back from Satan. Won all authority back from Satan. Now, when he did that, he automatically delegated all that authority to the church. You can see that in, one, in Ephesians 1.22. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And God gave Christ this authority for the benefit of the church. So that God gave Christ all that authority for my benefit. If you look through the scriptures, you'll never find one place in the entire Bible where Jesus used his name. 
Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus say, in my name I cast out this or I do that. Never said that. Why is that? Because he won all that authority for you. He said, whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. He gave that to us. That's why he did it. Every brand new Christian, baby Christian, just born again, has the same authority as Christ. They all have all Christ's authority. Huh, wow. Therefore, Satan is no match for a brand new baby Christian unless they don't know what they have. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus told us exactly that. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. So the very first thing a baby Christian is able to do is cast out demons. It didn't say small baby demons. It said demons. Full stop. Mark 9.38. And John answered Jesus saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us. He's not in the end crowd. Casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. It's not in our group. We told him you can't do that. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. Now Jesus could have said, no, he's not really casting out demons. He thinks he is. He never did that. He said, don't stop him. In other words, he has a man who's not born again yet. No one was born again until Jesus rose from the dead. He's not born again yet, okay, not full of the Holy Ghost, and yet he's commanding demons to come out by using the name of Jesus, and they are coming out. That shows us the power of that name. It's not about you and me, it's about that name. You got it? John 14, 12. Most assuredly I say to you, Jesus said, he who believes in me, he's talking about you, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you command in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now that word ask is actually command in the root Greek. So I'll read that way. And the next verse says, again, if you command anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, when you command Satan, to go or come out of somebody in the name of Jesus, picture in your mind Jesus standing next to you. Then picture the Lord Jesus himself personally driving out that demon. Don't see yourself doing anything. Imagine Jesus chasing that devil out when you use his name. Because he said, I will do it. Matthew 16, 19. The Lord Jesus said, and whatever you bind on earth, we're bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, whatever you allow, heaven will back you up. Whatever you stop, heaven will back you up. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. All right? Satan will flee from you if you resist him. But notice this first. Submit to God. Submit to God is a very important part of that verse. That means be a doer of the word. Don't step out of order with the word. 
You can't disobey God's word and expect your authority to work. It's not going to work. Disobedience to the word is going to open the door for the devil to attack you in the area that you are disobedient. Luke, 19, Luke 10 verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall hurt you because you have authority. If you don't use it, it can hurt you. But if it's trying to hurt you, use your authority and stop it. Your shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the devil. Therefore, Satan is not the biggest problem in the church today. Say that. Satan is not the biggest problem in the church today. The biggest problem in the church today is ignorance. Is ignorance. Ignorance of how Satan operates and ignorance of our authority over demons. Unfortunately, Satan takes people captive. He oppresses, binds, and even possesses people 99% of the time because of ignorance. All right, step number three. When you're going to cast out demon from somebody, pray and meditate in God's word before going to pray for somebody who has demons. Take a day or two to pray. Meditate in the word of God. Pray in the spirit, pray in other tongues for about two or four hours those two days, two to four hours each day. Spend about two hours each of those two days in the Word of God, including in that two hours is meditation time. We must meditate on scriptures like the ones I've just given you to build our faith. This will cause faith to rise in your heart, and this will also increase the level of anointing in your life. Prayer will increase the anointing, and meditating the scripture will increase your faith. You need both of those when dealing with demons. I'll show you that right here in the Bible now. Let's go to Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into fire and often into the water. So Satan's trying to throw him in the fire and water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Now, you see that word faithless? Underline that. That means lack of faith. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, lack of faith. They did not meditate in the scriptures. They had been casting out demons before that. So why did they not succeed here? Because they doubted. We need to make sure that our faith is up by meditating in the scriptures before we deal with that subject or cast out demons. Now, 
In some translations, in some translations, they add the word fasting after um, uh, unbelief. He said this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. He didn't. Actually, that's not in the Greek. It says he comes out by prayer. Prayer. So we need to pray and we need to have faith. Those are the things we need to do. Now that you have the scriptures, which I've given you, they will give you authority to cast out demons. If you meditate on them, your faith will rise. So you'll have authority and you'll have the anointing. Now, I'm going to share some stories with you here. A traveling teacher, who I know, would often preach in a particular church of one of his pastor friends. And uh, he preached in that church because he was friends with that pastor, but he did not enjoy preaching in that particular church because it felt like the people didn't listen. They weren't paying attention to anything he said. And when they received an offering for him, they barely covered his traveling expenses, never mind any money to help with his monthly expenses. The people were stingy. The church's pastor also complained to his teacher friend that his members did not want to give to support the church, no matter how he taught them. The pastor decided to fast and pray about that situation. He went to the church building, got on the platform, lay down on his back, and began to pray. He stayed there for three days, fasting and praying, looking up into the ceiling as he prayed in the rafters, just praying, talking to God in tongues, when suddenly the Lord opened his eyes and he saw in the spirit realm and he saw a giant baboon, gorilla, creature in the rafters. Now, it wasn't a normal gorilla. It looked like a gorilla. It wasn't an animal. It was a demon spirit, a huge demon. And it was deformed, but it resembled a baboon or gorilla. And the pastor said, I command you, come down in the name of Jesus. And this demon jumped down through the rafters and then jumped onto the pulpit and then onto the floor, onto the platform. The pastor said to this demon, you will have to leave this church immediately forever. And you shall never return in Jesus' name. Well, the demon started walking out towards the back door down between the chairs and halfway down, he turned around and looked back at the pastor longingly, pleading with a look of pleading on his face, wanting to stay in the church. So the pastor said, no, keep going, and walked behind him until he got to the back door. The doors open. He went through the door. And uh, at the door, he stopped and looked around for the second time, pleading, longing, like, don't send me away. And the pastor said, no, keep walking. You're not coming back here ever again. So he walked down the pathway, crossed over the street and down the street. And he stood at the door and watched him go down about 200 meters. Then he entered a nightclub on the opposite side of the street, a nightclub. And the next day, that nightclub caught fire and burnt to the ground. Hmm. 
Can demons cause fires? I guess so. I guess so. It wouldn't be an angel, that's for sure. After the teacher ministered, so the, 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 the pastor asked the teacher to come back to preach in his church. So after he ministered, the pastor said to him, do you notice any difference in my church? And he said, yes, the people are free. It's wonderful. What happened? He told him the story. He told him what happened. And when they received the offering for the, for the traveling preacher, not only did it cover his traveling expenses, but he also had some money over and above that to pay for his monthly expenses, like his rent at home and food and so on for his family. Praise the Lord. And the tithes and offerings increased in the pastor's church. So we learn from that, that demons can hinder our financial income. Can you see that? Now, I can tell you stories about that as well, personal stories, which I might tell you later on in the series. But right now, I'd like you to realize that from this story. If your money slows down at any time, especially if you are a tither, it's not God slowing your money down. It's Satan trying to steal your tithe from the Lord. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus, and it will stop. It will stop immediately. Now, what you have to do is command the devil to take his hands off your money. We're going to do that this morning anyhow, and you can follow that in future. Step number four, ask the person that wants deliverance or healing, do they want to be free? That's a good question. Do they really want to be free? Many say, yes, I want to be free. Pray for me. But they don't really want to give up their addiction. They remember the good old days when they can do whatever they used to do without any demonic pressure to partake or driving them. No demons driving them to overindulge. They could do it socially and so on. They want to be free from the demons, still enjoy the pleasures of their sin. That's not going to work. Unless they want to be free and give up the, 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 the thing altogether and never touch it again, they can't be free. Step number five, if they want to be free, ask questions to find out what opened the door for the devil to come in. It could be one of many things, and I will give you a list of these items as we go along. The first one is unforgiveness. It's the biggest problem that I've dealt with through the years, and so I'm going to deal with that comprehensively in a moment, as a subject by itself in a moment. The second question we want to know is, are they living in a known sin? Is there any part of their life where they're living out of God's order from the Scriptures? And do they have any demonic items in their home or in their person? Any demonic items in their home or in their person? And I'm going to give you examples of that now. Let's deal with that subject. To illustrate, I'm going to tell you a story that's of something that happened around 1992. Pastor Rev and I took a tour of a group of Christians, two busloads, to Egypt and then on to Israel. We took those folks from CFC Johannesburg. And by the grace of God, 
Someone came to see me just before we left for Egypt and said, Apostle Thea, we have just got back from Egypt and told me of a very strange experience they had on their tour. Said the tour bus arrived at the pyramids, which we did as well. We were going to the pyramids. He says, and then hawkers came around the bus to sell us items immediately. And one particular hawker insisted on selling a scarab beetle to one of the Christians on the tour. A scarab beetle. It's a little beetle. I'll talk to you, explain that to you now. And uh, it's not a real beetle. It's imitations made out of clay or some glass or something. Looks exactly like a beetle. And he was adamant in explaining that he definitely was not going to buy the scarab beetle. The hawker then insisted and finally put it in his hand, closed his hand and said, I'm giving it to you for nothing. So he got on the bus. As soon as the bus pulled out away from the pyramids, this Christian brother, his eyes rolled back in his head and he began to swallow his tongue he had a great, terrible fit on the bus, fell off his chair. Christians jumped on him. He tried to cast this demon out while the bus is going, screaming at this devil, come out, come out. And they did not have any success. A few minutes went by, no success. Then finally, somebody noticed his hand was tightly closed and pried it open and found the carabiner and threw it out the window. And had the sense to throw it out. I don't know if they realized what was going on. But then the next person said, come out in the name of Jesus. The man opened his eyes, sat up, and was fine. The demon left the minute the carabiner was gone. He never had another attack. The man was fine after that. So throughout our tour, we noticed the beetle prominently displayed in Egypt. We saw in the museum a throne of the Pharaoh in the museum. It's supposed to be an exact replica or the exact throne, I don't know. Uh, and all over this throne were scarab beetles stuck on it. Fortunately, I was able to warn our tour not to accept any scarab beetles when we stopped at the pyramids or any other trinket that came from Egypt. Ask the people that you're going to pray for. Do you have any demonic tattoos on your body? Demonic tattoos. Now, I know some folks have, I love Jesus tattooed on their body. Personally, I don't agree with having any tattoos. But a demonic tattoo is not good. That's going to open the door for demons. And there's some weird-looking tattoos people have. You can tell right away it's a demonic tattoo. Now, are they watching any kind of porno, porno, pornographic movies or pornographic internet or pornographic magazines? All that will open the door for demons of lust to come right in to those Christians. If they say they are addicted to alcohol, they want to be free, and that's happened to me. Many folks have come to me through the years. I'm addicted to alcohol. I want to be free. 
Before I can cast that demon out, I always say to them, are you willing never to drink one drop of alcohol again in your life? And they look at me like, wow, I didn't expect that. I want to be free from this demon that's controlling my life, but I want to drink like I used to drink with my buddies. That's not going to happen. Since that demon have, has been in you now comes out, you can't drink again. If you do, you're going to get it. I, I know folks in our church in Johannesburg, for one of them is Uncle Reggie and Auntie Winnie, he can tell you that he won't even have communion if there's wine in the communion glass because he knows that, that will get him back into um, demon possession and, or demon oppression or controlling by demons and he'll become an alcoholic again. So he can't ever touch it. He knows that. He'll tell you that himself. So you can't. Now, if they say, well, yes, okay, but they don't mean it, you can't cast the demon out. They've got to mean it. They've got to say, I will never touch it again, and then the demon will come right out instantly. If it doesn't, it's because they want to carry on drinking socially. It's not going to work. So many people have asked me this. Apostle Thea, is drinking alcohol a sin? It's not a sin, it's a weight. It's a weight. Let's find out what that means. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, he's talking about those who've gone on to heaven before us who are watching us run our race. Let us lay aside every weight. A weight is, imagine you're doing curls, right? Ten pounds in each hand, Right? Imagine taking one of those dumbbells and running a 100-meter race. You're not going to do as well with that 100-meter, with that 10-meter, 10-pound or 10-kilogram uh, weight in your hand. You're just not going to do as well. So that's why it says, lay aside every weight and the sin. That's something different, which so easily ensnares us. Can you see weights also ensnare us? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has a plan for your life, and weights will slow you down. They won't stop you from running, but you will not finish strong. You will not accomplish all God has for you in your life. No way, you can't. So lay aside every weight. So again, Drinking alcohol is not a sin, it's a weight. It's permissible, but it's not good. All right, so it's not a sin. Now, let me ask a question in regarding that subject. Let's think about this. Does drinking alcohol take the masses, the vast majority of people, toward God or away from God? For example, we know praise and worship draws people toward God, right? Does alcohol do that or not? Lord Jesus said, you shall know a tree by its fruit. You shall know a tree by its fruit. 
Now, there are many scriptures in the Bible that talk about drinking alcohol. In my own personal study, I have found two different topics in those scriptures. One, wine, in my opinion, refers to non-alcoholic grape juice. Strong drink refers to alcohol. That's my study. That's why the Bible does say, well, to him who gives his neighbor strong drink and makes him drunk, violence will follow him. And there's scriptures like that all over the Bible. So, but nevertheless, we can debate on those scriptures all day long. But Jesus did say, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Let's talk about the fruit of alcohol drinkers. The only fruit I have seen from alcohol drinking is people get into fights. Some even stab each other, shoot each other. And some men make women drunk so they can seduce them. Alcohol has caused divorce in many families. Alcohol has caused many people to lose their jobs. Alcohol has caused many people to die of disease and liver failure. Pastor Bev and I have been in the full-time pastoral ministry since September 1979. And I'm still waiting for somebody to come to me and say, Apostle Theo, drinking alcohol has given me such a desire to come to church and worship God. I'm still waiting for somebody to come and say, Apostle Theo, drinking alcohol has given me such a desire to come to church and worship God. I'll let you know when they come. No, alcohol has been used as a tool by the devil in many cases and I've never seen alcohol being used as a tool to promote the gospel or further God's kingdom. Never. So at what point does a person who drinks alcohol uh, uh, receive a demon? At what point does a demon enter that person? I don't know when it does, but I can assure you of this. There'll come a time when that person gets under the influence of alcohol when a demon will come in. Because any time that you give yourself to something, right, that sends a message to demons, I want this. This is what I want. So demons come in and they drive you further than you want to go. That's how it happens. One time or another, when they're drunk, the demon will come in. And then it's a problem. But I know some right now, right now, that I am bondage to demons of alcohol, but I cannot cast out those demons because they don't want to be free from drinking. And the people I'm thinking of cannot stop drinking alcohol. They cannot stop. And yet they refuse to believe they are addicted. They say, no, I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want to, but they don't stop. They don't stop. They claim they're not addicted, but they are I'm going to share a story with you along that line. About 25, 30 years ago, there was a man, I don't want to mention his name because I, don't want, I haven't got his family's permission to do that, but he used to come to church and his old family, and some of them still do, and he used to sit in the front row, and the moment I began preaching, he'd fall asleep. Now, some of you know who he is. He'd fall asleep up to about 25, 30 years ago. And back in those years, my father used to drink a lot. And he and this man were drinking buddies that go to the bar and drink. And um, 
So my dad let me know that his friend was deathly ill, cirrhosis of the liver, he was dying in hospital. And he saw these monsters around him, all different shapes and sizes, wet, slimy, deformed monsters. And they were calling him, calling him, come to me, come to me. And he was screaming out in terror, he was terrified. So my dad called me, told me, I was in America at the time on some kind of trip here. So I called one of our pastors and I asked him to go there, explain to this man that he's dying and those demons are going to take him to, to hell. He needs to repent and be delivered and set free. So they went to see him. He repented. They cast the demon out. He was terrified. He got the message right. And two or three days later, he was healed from his cirrhosis of the liver and they discharged him. For two months, he's in church, wide awake, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, listening to the messages. All of a sudden, he started sleeping in church again. And I thought, I wonder what's going on here. And he got sick, went straight back to hospital, and he went through the same process and died. So I wonder, where is that man today? Did those demons take him to hell? Not worth the risk, is it? Not worth the risk. Pastor Daniel was a pastor of a church in Nigeria. He had a disagreement with his wife and locked himself in a bedroom all night long, locked her out. Even though she repented at the door for whatever she said to him, he did not open the door let her in. The next morning, he got in his car, didn't talk to her, and left the house. Wherever he was going, he had an accident, a major car wreck. Ambulance took him. While in the ambulance on the way to hospital, he saw two angels, and he died, and he was taken to Jesus. Jesus spoke to him about a number of different things. This man's name is Pastor Daniel. His wife heard that he had died. She went to the morgue, got his body out of the morgue, and took him to three different hospitals to see if they could revive him. Give me a break. Three different hospitals. Can you revive my husband? Now he's in a coffin on the back of a truck, Bucky. And each one of those three hospitals pronounced him dead. Now during this time, his wife received a word from God from Hebrews 11.35, which said, Woman received their dead, raised to life again. She held on to the scripture and confessed aloud, Continually to her husband who is dead, you will live and not die. She took him on a three-day journey in the back of a bucky, probably stinking like crazy by now, to a Reinhardt Bonker meeting in a giant stadium. And the security guards at the back would not let her in. She begged them, but they refused. When she opened the coffin to show them what she had, <laughs> they ran away. And she drove in a park to a car underneath the platform and she could hear Ronald Bonker preaching clearly. So while he's preaching, she's confessing, you'll live or not die. He started warming up and next minute he sat up in his coffin, totally came back to life and healed, healed. Pastor Daniel says that after he saw the Lord Jesus in heaven, 
He taught him some things, many things, and showed him heaven, showed him hell. And while he was looking over hell with Jesus, the Lord Jesus said to him, if your record were to end now, if your record were to end now, this is where you would spend eternity. He's looking over the flames and the people screaming. Pastor Daniel began to cry out in terror, explaining that he was a pastor of a church. When he cried out loud, it sounded like he was reliving these moments. It sent cold shivers down my spine. Now, I invited Pastor Daniel to come and preach in CFC Jansburg. You may have been in those meetings. He preached Saturday night, twice Sunday morning and Sunday night. He told his story. And when he told this, I listened to the tapes because I wasn't there at the time. I was actually traveling in America. And when he cried out to God, it sounded like he was reliving those moments. He cried out in anguish, in fear, in terror in front of the whole church and was captured on those tapes. It seemed like he was reliving that moment standing before Jesus. As I said, it sent cold shivers down my spine. The Lord Jesus said to him, you have not put things right with your wife. He began to cry out again. When I was dying, I prayed and I forgave her. I forgave her, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus turned his back on him and walked away. At that moment, he realized that his foolish behavior of not forgiving his wife, his foolish behavior of the last few hours of his life had banished him to hell for all eternity. The absolute hopelessness, the absolute helplessness and the terror of that moment dawned on him standing there back of Jesus and the fires are held in front of him. Then the Lord Jesus turned around and came back to him, raised his hand from his side, and a Bible appeared in his hand and opened to Mark eleven twenty-five. The Lord Jesus said to Pastor Daniel, God has spoken, it is written, and proceeded to quote this very verse from, Daniel, from Mark eleven twenty-five to Pastor Daniel. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses, may also forgive your sins. Forgive them so God can forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So the bottom line is, if I don't forgive somebody, I cannot be forgiven. If I cannot be forgiven, I can't go to heaven. That's why he's going to hell forever. Then he opened, then Jesus opened the Bible to Matthew 5:23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember, that's talking about worshiping God when you come on a Sunday. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Your brother has something against you. Leave your gift. Don't worship. Leave your gift, therefore, before the altar, there before the altar, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, 
and then come and offer your gift. It's no use just saying, well, I forgive them. Go and be reconciled. That's the command. Be reconciled. Now, sometimes people don't want to be reconciled, but if you've tried, then you are free. If you haven't tried, you're in trouble. Now, if the person's died, in the meantime, ask God to forgive you. Now, then come and offer your gift of worship. Lord Jesus said to Pastor Daniel, you did not put things right with your wife. She thinks you died because of the argument she had with you. She thinks she caused your death because she argued with you. She does not know that you have forgiven her. So you're not reconciled, Pastor Daniel, to your wife. Now, Pastor Daniel went on to explain to the congregation that from the moment a person chooses not to forgive someone, they are under the control and influence of a strange spirit, a demon spirit. I'll say that again. From the moment we choose not to forgive, we're under the control of a demon. Controlling our thinking and our behavior. That spirit dominates our thinking and it begins to grow worse and worse. From the moment that strange spirit begins to dominate them, they are no longer Christ in Christ's kingdom, but they're under the authority of Satan and demons. And if they die, they go to hell, just like Pastor Daniel. You should have put things right. First, be reconciled. Then Jesus said, I'm sending you back to the earth, not because of anything you have done, not because I'm showing you any extra mercy, but because I don't want to lose more than 50% of the church in the rapture. I don't want to lose more than 50% of the church in the rapture. Now, we know very well in the rapture, because Matthew 25 tells us about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. They're all virgins, they're all Christians, all born again. Some had oil and lamps, some did not. The wise went in the rapture, the five foolish did not. That's 50% of the church goes in the rapture. Jesus said, I don't want more than 50% to go, to not go in the rapture. He's concerned that right now, perhaps 60% might miss the rapture. So I'm asking you, please, make sure you do not have unforgiveness in your life. I'm sending you back to earth to wake up my foolish sleeping church, Jesus said, so I can come for them. Now, after Rainer Bonker heard about this account, this man came back to life in his meeting, he sent a team, a delegation, to those three hospitals to find out if this particular man who he knows and met and has talked to was actually dead and has got it all documented and he wrote a book called Raised from the Dead, and it's in there. The whole story is documented in there, in that book, Raised from the Dead, Rainer Bonker. Jesus said this. Remember, he told the story about the king who had servants, and one servant owed him millions and millions of dollars worth of debt. And he forgave the man because he begged him and asked him to. Then that same man went out and found one of his servant fellow servants, who owed him $5, and he said, 
pay me what you owe me. He said, oh, well, if you'd give me an opportunity, he threw him in jail because he didn't have the money. Then other friends came and told the king, you know that guy you forgave millions of dollars? Well, he threw his, his friend in jail because he owed him $5. So he called the guy and he said, now, I forgave you for millions of dollars worth of debt and you won't give, forgive your friend $5. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand you over to the tormentors, the tormentors, the torturers. Jesus told us that story in the Gospels. Jesus told us, you'll be handed over the tormentors, the torturers, which are demons. And then Jesus turned to his 12 disciples and said, so will my father do to any of you if you from your heart don't forgive your brother. See, family, if you know somebody that you have a grudge against or they have a grudge against you, you might say, well, I've forgiven them. My question is, can you have lunch with them? Will you be excited to see them if you bump them in the street? Will you be excited to see them in heaven? If not, you have a problem. You haven't forgiven. You haven't forgiven. Make sure that there's no problem with you and that person. You have to forgive, otherwise you are in serious trouble. Now I'm going to show you some videos. And after this, I'm going to pray one prayer for all that come forward. I'll explain in a moment. And everybody will be set free. Everybody will be set free. Whoever comes forward will be free. All right? So if you've got the following challenges, if you are addicted to drugs, alcohol, smoking, pornography, gambling, compulsive lying, jealousy, anger, cursing, bad language, a spirit of blasphemy, oppression, rejection, you have a rejection problem because you were rejected by your parents perhaps, suicide tendencies, adultery, you keep doing committing adultery, sickness, discouragement, financial decreasing finances in your life. This could all be demonic attacks in your life. We're going to get rid of all those things, close those doors today, set you free. With one prayer, you'll be set free. Straight off the videos, I invite you to the front. Come and receive your freedom. We'll close those doors. Amen? All right, let the videos roll. I surrender. Hi, family. My name is Sanele Mashangu. I was having an operation on my left leg, so I was working with crushes. The day I came to church, the time Pastor was here, uh, that day I was not feeling okay because I was even sleeping in church. So I didn't hear anything because the way even my body was heavy, I was just sleeping. So when he was busy praying for people, it's when my daughter wake me up and say, Mama, they are calling you. I was like, why they are calling me? So I just stand up and go in front. Remember, I'm walking with crushes. So I stand up, I go straight to him. I forget my crushes that day. My body was so heavy, I was bending. I'm having an operation in my leg. I can't feel the pain now. You can't feel the pain right now? I can't feel the pain, I can't feel the pain. You can't feel any pain in your body? Yes, I can't feel the pain. He said to me, what happened to you? I say, I don't know, 
but I don't feel anything. I was working with crushes and I'm having operation here. I say, ah, okay. start to pray for me so the demons start to speak do you have to forgive somebody what's your name what's your name what's your name what is your name huh do you have to forgive somebody is somebody you have to forgive? Yes. You better forgive him quickly because that demon's harassing you. I forgive my sister. I forgive my baby dad. I forgive everyone that I make wrong. The one that I know and I know Jesus. Okay. Yes. Now, look at me. I command you, Val Demon, stop tormenting you to come out of her government. Jesus, man. There he goes. There he goes. Lift your hands up, there's a lot of demons coming out. There he goes. There he goes. There he goes. She's free. Then my chest was so heavy. When he say let it go, it's by the demon just left me. I was initiated to be a Sangoma. So it's where by the spirits that are attacking me. So I didn't know what was wrong with me because I didn't sleep, like even eating, I was not even eating. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Is everything look different now? Yes. It's nice that demon gone, isn't it? Yes. So this is a lesson, don't have unforgiveness because if you do demon will come into you whether you're christian or not you got it you're free thank you jesus you got no choice Give me a hug. that's good now oh, my leg is good now i'm not using crushes yes the demons are not around anymore thanks to god for healing me on the platform. You see when a demon doesn't come out right away? You know why sometimes demons don't come out right away? They should come out right away. If they don't, it's because the person has given that demon legal right to stay. That's why. I, I command you to shut up in the name of Jesus. I want to kill you. I want to kill you. you hear that? She'll never succeed. She'll never have anything. You hear that demon? Demon is talking. Can you see a demon talking? I hate you! I want to kill you! I want to kill you! You spirit of murder! You murderous spirit! I command you to shut up in the name of Jesus! I command you to shut up in the name of Jesus! Let me explain what's going on here. See, this woman has given that demon legal right to stay. 
If you want a demon in you, no one can cast it out. That's the bottom line. So I have to get Sharonisa to talk to me. I have to tell her there's a demon taking her. And I know what her problem is. And as soon as she forgives the person that's molested her and done all the stuff to her, she will have authority to let the demon has to go there. You see? Do you understand how bad unforgiveness is? Do you see how bad unforgiveness is? Can you hear me, sister? Can you hear me? Did you know you have a demon? Do you know you have a demon? Do you know you have a demon, sister? Yes, yes. Do you need to forgive somebody? Okay, will you say I forgive them? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good girl. Now, now say this. I command you, devil. I command you, devil. devil. Go, in the, go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus. There it is. In, in Jesus' name, you are free. You are free. Free. Praise God. Now get up. It's gone. No, you learned something here tonight. Now, bring me a microphone. Dear sister, God has done a wonderful thing in your life. How do you feel right now? Stand behind her. Don't want to fall over. She's still in the anointing. How do you feel now? Tell us what Jesus did for you tonight. Did you, did you, Jesus set me free. She's still in the anointing. That's why she's struggling to talk. But the demon's gone. Love you, God. She's just, she's just under anointing. That's all. The demon's gone. The Spirit of God is very heavy on her. That's all it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let this be a lesson. Don't ever hold a grudge against anybody again. Yes. You learned that lesson tonight? You know Jesus loves you, hey? I know it's hard. I know they hurt you bad. But you forgive now and you are free. And Jesus is going to bless you mightily. He'll give back to you all that the devil stole from you. Amen. All right, sister? Yes. You go and rejoice, okay? Yes. Jesus is going to bless you back much more than the devil ever stole from you. Okay? I ate poison four times. Poison is still rolling in my stomach. Does it move in you? It's move. It's yeah. Sometimes yeah. I don't even get balance when I walk. Who can guess what's going on? A what? A demon. Do you know it's the devil? You know what it is? It's a demon. Because you're going to which doctor, and the demon came in. 
I'm born in a family of Sangomas. Do you believe in Jesus? Too much. I'm the only one who's left in the family. Are you going to go back to the witch doctor? My, my, I, yes. I want, I want. You want? I, I've do got you understand the witch doctor is not from God? Yes, I do. Jesus is the healer, He's right? the Lord and Savior. Right. He saved my life. Not the devil. Okay, say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. For going to witch doctor. For going to witch doctors. I repent. I repent. I will never do that again. I will never do that again. In Jesus' name, forgive In me. In Jesus' name. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now say this, all of you demons. All of you demons. Inside of me. Inside of me. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. You must come out of me. You must come out from me. And go from me now. Go from me now. Go from me now. And you will never return. Then you will never return. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, look at me. Look in my eyes. You foul demon spirits. I command you to come out of this woman right now and cease harassing her. You heard what she said. You have no legal right to stay. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Out in the name of Jesus. Right now. Lift your hands and praise the Lord, church. Praise you, Jesus. There it goes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Catch you, Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, family. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, I am free. See, she was totally overcome by the presence of God. You understand that? She had a God encounter in her deliverance. Now tell us what the Lord's done for you. Jesus healed me. I'm from far. And Jesus took me from that the deep darkness of the devil. He took me out from there. I'm happy today. I'm free. I've got
I, I, I knew that in that place I'm going to get healed from what I'm carrying. I, 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 I had heaviness in me. I, I had headaches. I was sick and I slept in BBH hospital for two weeks. Doctors couldn't see what was wrong with me. I went for I had this pain that make me stood up from that chair because I knew that if Theo can touch me, something will happen. Today, I'm happy because he did. After nine churches, this is my 10th church where I got healed. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord of Lords. I love you, King of Kings. Jehovah. Jairus! Hallelujah! Give him praise! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He is a living God! I'm Fatima. Ever since I moved to South Africa, I used to go to another church. And I used to... I watch Pastor Theo on YouTube. It's real Lord's moving. Growing up um, as a Muslim, I really, I, I really wanted to serve Allah. I loved Allah, and um, I end up um, taking degree, four years degree in Islam. One of the neighbor invited me once to church. When my mother was out of the country, I went to the church. Two months later, I just decided this is where I'm going to be. Here comes the brand new wife. There it is right now. I would just browse on YouTube to listen because I, I didn't have church then. So I just came across Pastor Theo. I wish I, wish I would know where this church is. I thought it's in the United States. I, I thought it's in the United States, but then I found out it's in South Africa. But still, I didn't know where could it be, this church. And uh, I was invited by my friend to this church. And when I walked in and I saw his picture, and it says Dr. Theo, and I was like, is it, is it Pastor Theo? Is it the same? And they said, yes. I came with a lot of expectation. The reason what, what, what happened, it's uh, why I was so desperate to see Pastor Theo and I knew I'm going to receive the deliverance because I told myself I'm not going to leave this church until I'm touched and I'm going to be delivered. In October, I was, I went through very traumatic, very heartbreaking experience. I, I, I thought I'm not going to survive that, how bad it was. I can't describe, I would, I would sleep, walk, wake up with a heavy weight, heavy weight. It was, it's like I'm carrying something nonstop. Those of you who sense the Spirit of God radiating with you right now, you can come to the front quickly. Stand right there. You sense the Spirit of God resting on you in a mighty way, come on out the front quickly. I woke up with one message on my lips, which was saying, your victory is in forgiveness. And I said, okay, I keep repeating my victories and forgiveness. I wouldn't, I wouldn't structure a sentence like that. I, I told the Lord, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to leave this church until you remove whatever is that belong to you and fill me with you. So when, um, when Pastor Theo announced that um, 
I release the Holy Spirit or I release the power of God. I felt, I can't describe exactly, but I felt like electricity running from my tippy toes all the way, boom, the whole, like a wave. Here comes a brand new wave. And then he said, whoever experienced something, please come front. I ran. You sense the Spirit of God resting on you in a mighty way. Come on out the front quickly. He passed and touched and prayed for everyone, but he missed me. And when he passed me, I was broken in, like I broke into tears. And I just said, Lord, you left me here again. You just left me. Look, he just passed. He did not touch me. So I stood there crying. I thought I'm just gonna, you know, cry and move. But then when he went on the stage, he said, there's somebody here, you came in expectation that you're gonna get delivered. There's somebody here today. You said this morning, I'm going to church and I will be set free. I will be delivered from this bondage. Now the Lord showed me what it is that's holding you. And he said, it is unforgiveness. You need to, you need to forgive that person and say the name. When he said that, I lost it. I, I just don't remember what happened, but I remember my hands start shaking. And from that moment, I don't remember what happened to me. First thing I want you to do is say, if there's anybody you need to forgive, I want you to say, I forgive them right now and call their name out. You've got to do that. Okay? Ready? Do it now. And when he said, say the name, I just remember screaming, no. I just said no, but you know, how, can I describe you how I felt that no? I could hear myself as I would hear myself from another room. You know, that's how it felt. Like it's not me who's screaming because I wouldn't want to scream like this in front of people. So I felt myself very far screaming, but I could not stop saying no, no. And I, it was so hard for me to stop saying no because I felt I'm embarrassing myself but I couldn't stop saying no. So, and then I just don't remember from that moment what happened. If you don't forgive, that demon's gonna torment you the rest of life and take you to hell. That demon's gonna take you to hell. She must forgive, that's the problem here. I felt something leaving me. And it was, um, I felt so empty, light. Like I could roll on the floor and say, hey, I can't feel, it's so light. I wanted to gallop all the way back because it felt so light, it felt so nice. And as I was going from, um, from the stage all the way up, I just said, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm serving you, Lord. I belong to this house, I'm serving you. I wanna thank Pastor Theo. And I want, I want to thank Pastor Babe. You both spoke. It's like God cared so much that He brought them two years after them not being in South Africa. And they spoke exactly what I was meditating. God used Pastor Fiwa and touched me. He called me by my need. I remember when people helped me to go up, uh, to stand up, Pastor Fiwa called me. And he said, what's your name? And I said, Fatima. Lady, what's your name? 
Fatima. And then he said, I release the power of God. God's going to bless you, aren't they? Ready? The Spirit of the Lord comes on you right now. There it is. God's restoring to you everything you were stolen. And I just said, thank you, Father God. You love me. You really love me. I am loved by you. All right. If you now have any of the problems I mentioned, any of the challenges I mentioned, you can come up to the front right away, quick as you can. We're going to pray. Come right now. And I'm going to ask the pastors and fellowship group leaders and the leaders to come to the front and help me. Everybody gather around below the platform. Everybody come through. Don't stop them. Let everybody come through down the aisles and into the front. Make room. Go all the way around both sides of the platform. Okay. Now, everybody close your eyes. Say this prayer with me. You know what your challenge is. I mentioned it. You might identify it right away. Say this prayer with me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge my problem. Now you can whisper what that is. You don't have to tell everybody. If it's addiction to whatever, just whisper it right now. You don't have to tell everybody. I acknowledge this is my problem. I sincerely repent. I sincerely repent. That means I don't want to do that again, ever again. I want to cut that out of my life altogether. Thank you, Father, for cleansing me and forgiving me. Now, I say this. I resist. I come against those demons that have held me in bondage. I command them to go from my life. Come out of me. Leave me right now in the name of Jesus. Now, in the name of Jesus, I set you free. I command you drug addiction, alcohol addiction, smoking addiction, pornographic addiction, gambling, compulsive lying, jealousy, anger, cursing, bad language, the spirit of blasphemy, oppression, rejection, suicide, adultery, sickness. I command you discouragement, financial decrease in lack. I command you all to go right now, leave these people, go from this building. You will not harass anybody here. In Jesus' name, go. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now lift your hands and thank God. Praise God. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And if anybody's crying out right now, screaming out, that's because they did not repent. You must forgive. Call a person's name. Call a person's name. If they are crying out right now, you might have to slap them on the face to get them to come out of that trance 
and then tell them they've got a demon and tell them to call a person's name out and forgive them and then command that demon to come out or come right out. Praise the Lord. All right, let's give God a great big praise here this morning. We love you all. And to go back to your seats, while you're going back to your seat, let me just say this quickly. I will be away for the next two weekends. Pastor Bev and I are going on vacation. And uh, you've got great speakers while we're gone. Dr. Alan Bagg and Apostle Aruna. Apostle Alan Bagg, Apostle Aruna. Great speakers. Don't miss their messages. And then I'll be back again with another powerful message. Now, once a month, we are going to be having meetings like this we had here today. And I will let you know where the next one is, okay? All right, we'll carry on part two in this subject uh, next time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Thea, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Can you help me? Yes, I can. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, say this little prayer with me. Firstly, raise your hand. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you. Raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. All right. Say this little prayer with me. Somebody's going to put their hand on your shoulder. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Save my life. I surrender all to you. From today, I will serve you with all my heart. In Jesus' name. You are the Lord of my life. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, you're bound for heaven. Don't give the devil any room in your life. God richly bless you. We love you. And the person that prayed with you is going to take you by the hand to the place of prayer where you will meet a pastor from this church who will minister to you for a moment. And then you'll be free to leave. God richly bless you. We love you very much. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.